0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Well, let's find Mark's Gospel, the 11th chapter. Father, we give you thanks for this word, for the word made flesh. We thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ to consummate this perfect plan of redemption. We thank you for the power of thy Holy Spirit, who will unveil and unfold into our hearts the deep, rich treasures of your word. Thank you for enlarging our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, and all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank you that we are doers of the Word and not hearers only, blessed in our deeds. Thank you, dear Father God, for making us the head not, the tail above and not beneath. Thank you, dear Father God, that you watch over your Word to perform it. Thank you that this is the bread of life. In Jesus' precious name we thank you for it. Amen. Eleventh chapter of Mark's Gospel. We'll get there in a minute. But right now, I just want to reiterate a few points. We're talking about... Developing the recreated human spirit and the forces that emanate from the recreated human spirit. In our last lesson, last Wednesday evening, we talked about the fact that praying in the Holy Spirit or in other tongues is step number one in developing that human spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, our spirit is in vital active communion with the Holy Spirit. And we also said that praying in the Spirit is not like most Pentecostal people think it is. It's not just to have a message in tongues when you come into a worship service such as this, but it's mainly for self-edification. We said over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3 and 4 there, right on down 1 through 4 actually, that Paul said that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto God, not unto man, but unto God. And in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. And he went on there to say, but he that speaks in the Spirit, edifies himself, builds up himself on his most holy faith. And over there in Jude, we talked about the fact that he keeps himself in the love of God. See, praying in the Holy Ghost keeps you in contact with the Father, keeps you aware of the fact that the greater one is within, keeps your spirit active in the Spirit. Talking with the Holy Ghost, teaching yourself, educating yourself, edifying yourself. Amen. He edifies himself. And that's what that word means. Well, then we went on to say that step number two is meditating in the Word of God. Step number two is meditating in the Word of God. You cannot replace this step with anything else. You can't replace it with listening to tapes. You can't replace it by listening to WPIT. You can't replace it by going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening. You cannot replace it with anything other than meditating in the Word of God for yourself. And we said there were at least three questions we wanted to answer concerning meditating in the Word of God. See, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. When I pray in the Spirit, my spirit is active. And the Spirit will teach me the spirit of the Word. My words are spirit. In order for them words to become spirit in my spirit... Not just knowledge in my brain. I need to meditate in the Word of God. Now, we talked about what effect does this meditation have on the human spirit. And we said that after we have taught our brain, educated our brain... Remember, we said that the brain... Or let, let's say this, that the body contains the five physical senses that educate the brain. And after we have taught our brains the Word of God... More or less, we've learned about the Word of God. That's not enough. It's not enough to know the book from from Genesis to Revelation. It's not enough just to know what the Word of God says concerning you. Just to know it is just mental assent. All it is 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 head knowledge, knowledge that I have gained in my brain by educating it in the Word of God. But that's not enough. That doesn't make reality. We want reality. I believe that people are tired of religion. Don't you? They're tired of religion. They want reality. They want to know how to contact the Creator God, the Father God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They want to know how to get their prayers answered. They want to know how to get their needs met. They want to know how to grow up in Him in all things. They want to know how to do the works of Jesus. Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these, shall I do, because I'm going to my Father. They want to know that. They're not... You know, satisfied with just learning that Jesus said that. That doesn't satisfy me in the least. Just because Jesus said I can do greater works than he did because he went to the Father doesn't satisfy me. I'm not complacent knowing that he said I can do it. I'll be satisfied when I do it. How about you? When I learn how to walk in it. How to do it. See, meditation will bring you to that place. It'll get the Word out of here down here. Oh, hallelujah, the value of meditating in the Word of God. It cannot be replaced by any one thing, anything else. We should realize, know, and understand that the meditation of God's word is invaluable to the development of the recreated human spirit. We've got to do it. There's no other way around it. Meditating in, in, in a few scriptures will do more for you than reading ten books of the Bible. Did you know that? One day, just meditating in God's holy word. You meditate Isaiah chapter 53 about the sufferings of our Lord. It will do one for you in the area of walking free from sin and walking free from sickness and walking free from mental anguish and anything else. It will do that for you if you meditate in the word of God. If you meditate in it. Well, then we said, how do I meditate? And we talked about how we meditate the word of God. And the easiest way to, to, to explain that, as we said, was just think about the last problem you had. Just think about how you went to somebody and told them every nook and cranny involved in that problem. You talked about it. You rehashed it day in and day in, over and over and over. You talked about it. You told this neighbor, what's your opinion? What do you think about it? Then you called somebody else up on the phone. He says, what do you think about it? What do you think I should do? You talked about it. You went it out in your mind. You went it out in your spirit. Day in and day out. Night and day. Thinking about it. thinking That's what you do in the Word of God. See, it's easy to do that with a problem. If you don't have your mind controlled. It's easy to let your mind run. Over there in Second Corinthians chapter 10 where it talks about that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing. That word, high thing, you know what it means? Skyscrapers. That's what it means. Skyscrapers. See, the mind, the devil likes to build skyscrapers in our minds. Sometimes those things, you, you just dwell on them, they become skyscrapers. Buildings. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And God's Word has no way to get in there to bring deliverance. It's time that we face the reality of the fact that the Word of God is our Deliverer today. God and His Word are one. Amen? The Spirit and the Word agree in one. But you see, we build these skyscrapers by meditating on the wrong thing. And instead of meditating on the problem, let's meditate on the solution to the problem. Hallelujah. Which is God's Word. And so what we do is we ponder it day in and day out, day in and day out. Think about it. Over. Bring it up in your spirit. Weigh it out in your spirit and reject all the ungodliness, all the evil thoughts, all the imaginations that exalt themselves against what God has to say about uh, the solution to the problem. Cast them down. Get rid of them. Don't allow them to to be in your thinking. Otherwise, they'll get down into your heart. If they get down into your heart, they'll affect you in, in, in a negative way. See, well, then the third point that we didn't really get into was what primarily do I meditate on? Remember over there in Joshua 1.8, when Joshua was told that this book of the law shall not depart out of his mouth, but he shall meditate therein day and night, that he may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then he'll make his way prosperous and he'll have good success. Remember that scripture? Well, this book of the law has been enlarged since the day of Joshua. And if you stop to think about when that was written under Joshua, there wasn't much written. Joshua wasn't even written, was it? How could it be? Do you see what I'm saying? This is recorded after. But when when Joshua was told that by God, see, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. When Joshua was told that, there wasn't much written. What law? Probably the law of Moses. The law that was given unto Moses when he went went up on Mount Sinai. If you think about it, there wasn't much there to really meditate on. Even Even if he had the first five books of the Bible, which is the Pentateuch, which couldn't have been because it wasn't all done yet, still wasn't much to meditate on. You and I got 66 books. We've got everything from the beginning until the end. And when God says, meditate therein day and night, you go, huh, what am I going to meditate on? This book go big. That's why a lot of Christians get discouraged, because they don't have the right diet. If they knew what to meditate on, you see, then it would be a lot easier for them. Well, let's just look at it this way. If he told Joshua to meditate this book of the law, how much more would he tell you and me to meditate the law of the new covenant? Which is what? Love. Oh, if we could only get across to the hearts of the believer that we should be meditating primarily on love. And I'm going to share some other uh, forces, but I won't start with love. But primarily, love is, is the... Subject of the Bible that we should be meditating on by day and by night. Because he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in... Hallelujah. Every step out of love is a step out of the environment of God and a step into the environment of the devil where there's no protection and there's no help. But every step in love is a step in the environment of God where he can protect you and love you and care for you. Amen? Amen. But here in in Mark's gospel, the 11th chapter, I want to share this with you. For a very specific reason. Jesus taught his disciples about this great force of faith before he mentioned the law of love. And for what reason? Well, let's look at verse 22. Let's read the scriptures first, and then we'll talk about it. And Jesus answering saith unto them, "Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith." I like to say it like that. Have the God kind of faith." As a matter of fact, in my Bible, in the margin of my Bible, it says just that. I have a little number two by have," in verse 22, Mark 11:22, and it says, "Or have the faith of God." Hallelujah. Amen. Have the faith of God." You, you just can't let that, that saying right there go past your thinking without meditating. I mean, an educated person would want to stop right there and say, wait a minute. Is, is this teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ, is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he the son of the living God? Because for him to make a, an assertion such as this, to say that we can have the faith of God... He's either lying or he's crazy or he's revealing something to you and to me as the son of the living God that no man has ever revealed before that we can have the faith of God. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith." Therefore I say unto you, what things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And he talks about this, this great force called faith. Why is he emphasizing faith? Well, I'll give you five good reasons. I ended with this in our last service. Five good reasons why he mentions faith and the need for faith, what faith can do, the possibilities of faith, and why every believer should meditate having the faith of God. Number one is found in Ephesians 2 and 8, which tells you and me, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And over there in Romans 1 and 16, it tells us that the just shall live by faith. And over there in First Timothy six and twelve, it tells us to fight the good fight of faith. And over there in Hebrews eleven six, it says we cannot please God without without what? Faith. Do you see the importance of faith? And we walk by in 2 Corinthians five seven. We walk by not by what. This whole life that we've been brought into, Jesus said, I came to give you life abundantly, abundant life. This whole life that we've been brought into is based on faith. Absolute faith in God, having the God kind of faith. As a matter of fact, Paul went on to say that the life that you live in the flesh must be lived by the faith of the Son of God. That's a a force of the recreated human spirit that every believer should be feeding into his spirit on a daily basis. Now, what Jesus was actually inferring in these scriptures, why did he say that if you have this kind of faith, it'll remove a mountain? Why did he use the figure of a mountain? After he cursed a tree and the tree died, and he explained faith and said you could not only do that which is done to the tree, but you can also speak to a mountain and the mountain would obey you. And it would obey you. Now, think about that. Why did he use the figure of a mountain? If faith can remove a mountain... A literal mountain, faith could remove anything. Is that so? If faith can remove a mountain, faith could remove anything and everything out of the pathway of your life. See, this is food for meditation. I begin to ponder on this. I begin to think about it. I I figured like this. If the forces of the recreated human spirit are developed by faith, then I need to know something about faith. If I am living by faith, I better know something about faith. Of course, I'm saved through faith. But if I cannot please the Heavenly Father without faith, then faith, as far as I'm concerned, is a very important subject of the Bible. It is so vital, so important, that over there in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, we have what I call the Faith Hall of Fame. Where God didn't take time to point out the faults and the failures of the people, Hebrews chapter 11, but he took time to point out the faith of the people. Aren't you glad it didn't say that Noah, after he built the ark by faith, believing in things yet not seen, got drunk? Aren't you glad he doesn't say that in there? I'm glad he doesn't say that in there. Amen. He doesn't say that, does it? But he did, didn't he? You see what I'm saying? It doesn't say that Elijah, the great man of God, after he called down fire out of heaven and did the great many wonderful miracles recorded in his lifetime, went and sat underneath a tree, wanted to die, thought Jezebel was going to cut his head off. You think about it. It doesn't say that, does it? No, it points out the faith of the individual. Faith is very important. The subject of faith is very important. As a matter of fact, without faith, you won't be able to develop in Christ. You see, it takes your faith to develop the love walk. The love that's been shed abroad in your heart must be developed by faith. All the fruit of the recreated human spirit must be developed by faith. All the forces must be developed by faith. It's important that we understand faith. Now, if we just begin to meditate on these scriptures right here in Mark 11, 23, 24, 25, and 26, we can come up with some good points for meditation. That number one was, why did he say a mountain? Why did Jesus say a mountain? Why a mountain be removed? See, ponder that, meditate that, think about that. People say, I've got faith you trying to say that I didn't get my need met because I don't have faith. I have faith. I know you've got faith. But you know, we can have our faith perfected. Our faith can grow. To what degree can it grow? I believe that he's given the disciples an incentive. You and me, an incentive. In other words, if faith can really, in the life of an individual, and Jesus said it could, remove a literal mountain, cause a tree to die. If faith... I walked out into the backyard. I just looked at that big tree we have back there. You can't get your arms probably around it. And I just looked at that thing and how strong it is. You you can get back by the porch and take a flying leap and run at it and run right into it. And you'd probably break your shoulder or something. You could probably get a baseball bat, knock it, hard as you can and probably cause your whole arms to vibrate. You could probably get yourself the Pittsburgh Steelers to come on down, put on their helmets, and all of them at one time run right onto that tree. Probably have some heads knocked in. But I'll tell you what. You get a man of faith to stand in front of that tree and say, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. In faith. And that tree will bow its knee. Jesus did it. And in His name, it'll bow its knee. That baffles the mind. You got to meditate on that. A tree's bad enough, but now a mountain. Boy, what a good place to be talking about mountains. Amen. Sometimes I got to talk to my car to make it up the hill. Get on up there in the name of Jesus, Hallelujah. It seems like everywhere you go, there's a big mountain to climb. But think about it. Is He a liar? Is he a lunatic to say that faith can remove a mountain? Or is he the son of the living God who says that this kind of faith that I've given you and given birth into your recreated human spirit is so powerful that it created the worlds and it's got the power to cause the world to obey? That's the trees and the mountains and the fish and the fowl and everything else. And to sit back and say, well, I'm perfected in faith. Hallelujah. I've learned enough about faith. Who are we kidding? I sit back and meditate those scriptures sometimes, and my mouth just hangs open. You mean to tell me, dear Lord Jesus, that that tree that I cannot do anything with physically, unless i got an axe, and still would take me quite a while to get that thing down. And man has devised other ways, like a bulldozer or something like that. But I'll tell you what, that tree, all I've got to do is speak to it in faith that it'll die and will obey me. Boy, that makes me think. What's he telling you and me? He's telling you and me that he has given us some kind of power that the natural mind cannot comprehend. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus was raised up from the dead by the operation of the faith of God. And you and I got a hold of that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that created the world. The faith of God's been imparted unto my spirit, unto your spirit. It develops all the other fruit. I need to learn how it works. I need to know how to appropriate it. And as I meditate that same scripture, I find out that it says something about saying. If you were to say to the mountain, not hit it in the head or the baseball bat, say to the mountain, be thou removed. What's saying got to do with it? And then you start teaching along the lines of saying, and people say, this preacher's way off the wall. He's something, there's something wrong with this guy. He believes in that positive confession business. You know, mind, science, religion. No, we don't. We believe in Jesus' religion. We believe in the Word of God, the Word of faith that we preach. Paul said it like this. It's the same Word that I preach, I speak. It's the same Word. We believe, therefore we speak. What's speaking got to do with faith? What do my words have to do with faith? See, think about it. Meditate. Ponder it over in your thinking. Let it get down deep into your heart. You'll never be able to speak faith. I mean powerful faith words without meditation. Meditation builds a capacity for faith. And then acting upon the Word builds faith into the recreated human spirit. If I don't build a capacity for faith, I'll never act my faith. So I've got to build a capacity for faith inside my spirit. I do that by meditating the Word of God. And I think, yeah, praise God, I can remove a mountain. Yeah. Oh, what baffles your mind, I know. It, it, it really makes you thinking. That's why the Bible says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. You can understand that. Speak to that mountain, it'll be removed. The one that really gets me the most is when Luke records it and he says, If you were to speak into the sycamine tree and say, Be thou plucked up by the roots and planted into the sea. Did you ever try getting a tree out by the roots without killing it? Be thou plucked up by the roots and be thou planted into the sea. It should obey you. Not just die. Imagine that. Be plucked up by the roots, pull out of the ground from the roots, and be planted into the sea. It would obey you. That's some kind of faith to remove that tree and replant it in the sea. But it works. See, the disciples saw a need for faith. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. Luke 17, verse 1. Lord, increase our faith. He said, if you had the faith as a grain of mustard seed, You'd say to that sycamine tree right over there. Be thou plucked up by... You'd say to the sycamine... You'd say to that sycamine tree. You'd say to it. What saying got to do with faith? Well, I don't know, but Jesus seems to think it has a lot. Because in that scripture right there, he says it three times. If you were to say it to the mountain, not in your heart, but believe that what you say it shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you want. Well, I've learned that. No, you haven't. You've learned about it. You've heard me preach it for three years. I'm not going to stop. You know why? Because there's no other way. Did Anybody here ever work out with weights? Or run around track field? Listen to me. Once you stop it for... You can stop lifting your weights for five years. Want to get back in shape? What do you go back to? The weights. Want to get yourself... To build up your endurance for running in a track meet, running a race? What do you do? You go back running around the field. Nothing new under the sun is there. I said there's nothing new under the sun. Same old method. You want to bake that apple pie? What do you go to, the apple tree? Amen? You want to learn how to get from God? You want to learn how to cooperate with God? Faith. Same thing. Same thing. We can't stop because God is a faith God. He has love. He is love, but he has faith. He's a faith God. We've got to go back over We have never mastered this scripture. We've not, even though we know what it says, you've not mastered. I've not mastered that scripture. Bless God, if we mastered this scripture, we'd be doing the same thing, just like Jesus did. You would become a dangerous individual to the vegetable kingdom. Every time a tree popped up, or a weed, or a dandelion, you'd say, dandelion, die it would wither away. But you see, Jesus was making a point. We don't use this kind of faith just to destroy dandelions. See, with the same mouth, bless we God and curse we... Who? Men. We'd be dangerous unless we knew how... God can't entrust us with this awesome power if we can't control our words. That's why he said, Study to be quiet. See, I'm just talking about this thing. We can go on forever just on that one thing. Meditate. What should I meditate on? Faith. Faith is the force that develops all the other forces of the recreated human spirit. So if I, cannot, I don't understand faith, I won't begin my development. If I don't know that my words have something to do with faith, you see what I'm saying? I'll never develop. What I say with my mouth will affect the forces that emanate from my spirit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A man's belly shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips so shall he be filled, Proverbs 18.20. The increase, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by your acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. By the acknowledging, by by me acknowledging it vocally with with my words, every good thing. It causes my faith to become effectual. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what he's revealing unto us? Saying's got something to do with faith. So I meditate that. And I ponder it. I don't understand it. Oh, I understand he says that I could say it, but do I understand it in depth, that it's applicable in my life? Do I re- can I really go out there and start speaking to those mountains and command them to go? And they go. Oh, I'll tell you, there's nothing more thrilling than operating in God. There's nothing more thrilling when your baby's brow is fevered. And you walk over there and you just come fresh from the presence of God and you stand over that child and say, fever, leave. And you knew you did it in faith and fever goes. Oh, you want to talk about jumping out of your skin? Hallelujah. There's nothing more rewarding than that. Bless God. There's nothing more rewarding than saying, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. You see, you get access to the Father. Give me a word that I could speak to that soul, that spirit, to get them born again. And all of a sudden, something rises up from within, and they accept Jesus as their Savior. (laughs) Ha-ha, that was your faith. Let your faith do the talking. Let your spirit do the walking. Amen? (laughs) Glory be to God. Let your faith do the talking. Don't talk that doubt and unbelief. Talk faith. Well, there's another word right there, doubt. What's doubt got to do with it? He said it right there. We're in the same Scripture. We can meditate this Scripture till Jesus comes, couldn't we? Look what it says right there. Be, if you were to say to the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt. What's doubt got to do with my heart? Shall not doubt in the heart. You mean I can have doubt in my heart? Boy, doesn't that destroy some of these people's theory that talk about that the, that the spirit of the recreated human spirit is flawless? It's flawless in a sense. It's created by God, recreated by God. It is perfect in God. But you can have doubt. Doubt not in your heart. Not in your head. In your heart. Doubt not in your heart. What does doubt have to do with faith? It's vital that we have this comprehensive insight into the faith of God. How it works. It's what we live by. It's what we walk by. It's how we please the Father. Okay? Over there in chapter 14. Look at verse 31. You know the story. Peter got out of the boat, and he began to walk on the water when Jesus said, Come. But in verse 30, he saw the wind boisterous, and he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou what? Where there is doubt, there is little faith. Where there is doubt, there is little faith. And I'll tell you something. We thank God for the times He bails us out. Someone says, well, yeah, Jesus, I know Jesus bailed him out. But Jesus, before He left, also prayed that, Peter, I pray that thy faith fail not. In other words, I can't bail you out forever. Your faith is going to have to do something out there. And I'll tell you what, you talk about this guy that maybe begin to sink then? Oh, glory. When he was over there, him and John went up to the temple about the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man was lame from his mother's womb, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, to ask alms of those that entered into the temple. He, seeing Peter and John about to enter into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fasted his eyes on him and John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, "Silver and gold have I none; but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk." And took him by the right hand and, and lifted him up, and immediately his feet, and the bones received strength. He leaping up, stood walking, and went with them in the temple, walking and lifting and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew it was he that sat at the temple, uh, the gate of the temple, called Beautiful, begging alms. But you know what Peter went on to say in verse 16? His name through faith. Who did it? Peter, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Well, when he got out of the boat that time, he didn't doubt, bless God. He walked over to that fellow and said, His name, to faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given this man his perfect soundness in the presence of ye all. And it was Peter's faith that did it. Oh, glory. His faith can grow exceedingly. No, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of doubt and, and not having a whole lot of faith as long as you're growing. Because when you're growing, your faith will grow and your doubt will wane. And your faith will go stronger and your doubt will go weaker until one day faith will displace, hallelujah, and replace all the doubt of your heart and your spirit will just produce like a tree of righteousness planted by the rivers of water. Faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what he did, you see. But doubt will do this to your human spirit. It will prevent it from producing faith. O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? It's God's intention to bring us to a place of unwavering faith. So faith is a vital subject of the Bible to study, constantly. Not once in a while, like he told Joshua. Joshua probably studied the Ten Commandments by day and by night. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. By day and by night. Probably get a little bit weary doing that over and over again, but he had to do it. For what purpose did he tell Joshua to do it? That, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, blessed is the man that walketh not on accounts of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. Faith. Hallelujah. By day and by night. He shall be like a tree of faith planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. That bringeth forth his what? His what? How are we going to bear fruit and bring forth fruit if we don't meditate by day and by night? And if faith is a force, faith is a force that develops the fruit of the human spirit, recreated human spirit, then how in the world can we bring forth the fruit of righteousness if I'm not meditating in faith? Meditating in the Word is meditating faith. Faith is... Paul said this is the word of faith which we preach. But the subject of faith, how it works. I mean, comprehensive insight into the faith of God, how it works. Jesus is here. Go back to Mark 11. He said some other marvelous things about faith. And the human spirit. He's talking about what you say. Speaking to the mountain. He's talking about not doubting in your heart. Verse 24, he gives the prayer of faith. Verse 23 is the law of faith. You need to write that down in case you never wrote that in your Bible. Verse 23 is the law of faith, saying. Verse 24 is the prayer of faith, praying. Faith will work by saying and faith will work by praying. Okay? But in verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive. He's talking about the human spirit. He's talking about the heart. Nothing will... Destroy your faith and hold your faith in bondage quicker than a judgmental critical unforgiving hardened spirit your faith will be ineffective it will be brought down to naught you cannot have unforgiveness in your heart and expect your faith to work you cannot expect to be critical about others and expect your faith I'm talking about great faith your faith to work You cannot expect to be judgmental, critical, hard-hearted, unforgiving, and expect to have your faith to work. So what does unforgiveness got to do with it? It takes you out of the realm of love. When you get out of the environment of love, that's God's environment where faith works. And that's why he said here, When you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. See, that takes you out of the realm of faith right there. Some people have said to me, I've had people call me every name in the book. And then some that weren't in the book. I mean, everyone you can think of. You know, and when you're, when you're, you know, when you're in, in public ministry, who wants to be in public ministry? Who wants to stand in front of me? The Bible says, anybody that wants to be there, I'll tell you something right now. The Bible says that your judgment is greater. Be not many masters or teachers, because you shall receive the greater judgment. Oh, dear God, do you, you know who are least in the kingdom of God? Those that teach and do not. Did you hear that? You know who's least in the kingdom of God? Those that teach and do not. Oh, dear God. Dear God, how many words have I said across this pulpit? Those that teach and do not, they shall be the least. Oh, do you put yourself in a position to be the least? I'd rather sit back there in a corner and just pray in tongues. Study my Bible. But I can't do it because he called me to the ministry. I have to do what he said to do. I have to do it those that teach and do not. Be not many teachers. Be not many masters. Can you see what he's trying to get across to us? you see what he's trying to say to us? Oh, dear God. Dear God. Forgive those that can teach it but not do it. We should pray daily. Oh, dear Father God, for those that you have placed in these offices, I don't criticize them I pray for. I uphold them. Because they're out there where the devil wants to destroy. They're out in the front line battles where the devil wants to persecute. To destroy him, To stop them from being effective in the ministry. He likes nothing better but to get somebody who people look up to. And make a mockery out of him. Hey, I've been called names by... Uh, whatever, you could think of the names they've called me now. It's easy to be out there and, 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 and to sit back and think, man, people are just mocking you. It's easy to sit back and think, whether well, they don't like anything you do. They don't like the way you do it. They don't like what you say. And people, you know, sometimes I think people just want to just go around just to be like that. They think they're being led by God, but they're not being led by God. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. Someone says, God set me up for this church to keep this church in order. No, He didn't. God called me to this church to keep this church in order. Did you hear that? I'm bold to say it, because he did. Sometimes I think, people think God don't have any sense. God doesn't call somebody to to be the under-shepherd over an assembly. And then say, I was only kidding, you're not qualified. I called Sister So-and-so back there to be the critic. See, she's the one that's really going to be doing it. No, if he calls somebody, he's got faith. Paul said... He saw me faithful, putting me in the ministry. And where the faithfulness lies is out there. You're to recognize that your minister is out in frontline battles. You're to recognize that people are going to come just to mock sometimes and to destroy his faith. To build within him, the devil will use people to build within that, that individual that's in the front out there. He'll, he'll use individuals to build within him a sense of unworthiness to preach the gospel. Trying to point out everything you do wrong just to make you look bad. Oh, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what the devil would want to do. So that you, you see, well, just want to back off and say, ah, who was not I'm just going to be a Christian in my own home. I don't know why we get off on that, but that's what God wants us to get off on. You think about that. It's your responsibility to uphold the minister. Pray for him. Pray that his faith fell not. Jesus did for Peter. For Peter, you think about it. Not for John, but for Peter. He saw Peter wavering time and time again, and Jesus said, Peter, I pray not that you have failure, but that your faith fail not. How we should be upholding those that are in offices. Dear God, it takes the wisdom of God to be able to stand in an office of authority. Amen. It takes the wisdom of God. Solomon said, You want me to lead your people? What's one thing to lead your family? That's a small group. But you want me to lead your people. I need wisdom. Oh, dear God, I need your wisdom. Isn't that what he said? Amen. You think about it. Joshua, the same one he said, to meditate by day and by night, because you're going to take over uh, the responsibility of Moses. Moses, or finally Joshua, later on in the book, if we have it recorded, where Moses or where Joshua finally said, you know what, I'll tell you what, bless God, I've been doing what God said, I got you into the promised land, seem like nobody wants to follow the Lord, I don't care what you all do, he says, but for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord God, hallelujah. We'll reap the harvest. I'm not. You're not, not going to get me down because of your lack of faith. You're not going to get me down because you don't want to uphold me in prayer. He was their leader. Moses was the leader. Moses came down from the mountain not to be uplifted, to hold up his hands, but bless God, to be mocked by those for who he went up that mountain for and have a false image. He came out of the presence of the glorious Almighty God, and when he came down, he saw a molten calf. Oh, dear God, and broke the tables. Do you see it? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I just know this, that God has given us a faith that if we cooperate together in our respective place in the body of Christ and uphold one another get our noses into this, this, these faith scriptures right here, and don't come out, don't get them out until we get the Word of God of faith, the Word of faith built within our human spirit until all we'll do is speak faith about one another, faith about you, faith about me, faith about the office, faith about the board, faith about this whole organization, faith about all that we do. Speak faith. There'll be such a power emanating from this place that the devil won't, he'll just go around the block somewhere and so say, I can't go near that place. Hallelujah. That's only one one force, faith. Because when you get this one down, beloved, I'll tell you what, the rest fall into place. Faith works by love, yeah, but love is developed by faith. I walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. And when you find out what it means, and really know what it means, you become a vessel of honor. We're going to talk about a vessel of honor here not too, too long. I believe we're going to be led into that, a vessel of honor. You want to be a vessel of honor? He gave you a prescription. He wants you to be a vessel of honor. That's a vessel that emanates the power of God, the forces of God, the glory of God, the love of God. So these are just some things. Here he goes on to say about love. See, forgiveness, unforgiveness. That'll affect your faith more than anything else. It'll destroy your faith. But there's just so many vital areas here that he's talking about. That we don't need to be out learning. We talk about knowledge being increased. Sometimes I just like to say sometimes put away all your books and tapes. Turn off your radios. And get out your Bible. Take one scripture, one passage, such as these scriptures right here. Don't do anything but meditate it for a week. Every time you pick up your Bible, open up to these scriptures right here. It may be hard at first, but you know what happened to you? The Holy Ghost will start to give you some rich revelation that you never heard of before. Well, you may have heard it here, but I mean down in here. Revelation will just rise up from within your spirit. You'll begin to see things about faith that you, that you didn't realize you should know. That you didn't know. I could say this because my, I know my brother wouldn't, wouldn't mind. I remember the first, very first time... My brother, Brother John Bannon, is a wonderful brother. He loves the Lord. He's a great man of faith. The very first time we were introduced... Visited him for the first time. He said, "He said that. Well, bless God. He says, I want you to know that uh, we're going to have that baby. My wife and I, we're going to have that baby. We believe God, and now we're just waiting for the manifestation. And I said, Dear brother, I didn't say it. Matter of fact, I didn't say it. I said it to my wife. I said, Honey, I don't know how to tell him, but he's not in faith. I said, I don't know how to tell him, but he's not in faith. I just don't know. Sometimes you don't know how to tell people. Later on he said, why didn't you tell me from the very beginning so we could have done it a lot faster? Because sometimes you don't know how people's going to accept it. Well, who are you? You know something more than I do. I'll tell you what. You've you got to be humble. You know why you got to be humble unto God? Because it may be that little, little bit of light that you have that makes all the difference in the world. And finally we got together and said, brother, when you said I'm waiting, faith does not wait. Faith receives. He said, you know, I never saw that. He said, I never saw that. I didn't realize that. Bless God, I'm glad you said that. I didn't... That little thing you mean... I said, yeah, that little thing stopped you from receiving. I didn't know that. He said, yeah, that little thing. Jesus said, The believe you receive it, then you have it. That little thing. Look at how detailed faith is. How God outlines it. No no, no wonder he says comprehensive insight. Accurate, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. You've got to do it the way he said to do it. See? Humble yourself. He did. They humbled themselves before God. Find out where, the, where that flaw was. See? Turn it around. And they got a beautiful little girl. Celebrated her first birthday on the 28th. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God good? But you see, what, what, what stopped it? One little thing. One little, little thing. I'm not an electrician. But I know that I, I've seen some circuit boards that are just... I drove a crane. And I'd go up that crane and I'd watch... It would break down. And the electrician would come up there. And he just start going right to where you had to go to. And i just look at him. I said, don't you want me to turn the power off? No, I've done it a hundred times before. I said, there's a lot of power going through there. When no, all I've got to do is this little... I said, well, if you don't mind, I'll walk over here. And I don't want to get electrocuted because he knew what he was doing. He studied it. He probably meditated it. He probably ate, drank, and slept the laws that pertain to electricity. So he can go in there and do it. Worked on that same crane hundreds of times. But you know what? I've seen those that even have done that and still couldn't get the answer. Where do we think that we've learned enough? You can't learn enough about faith. You never will learn enough about faith. It takes study. It takes meditation. I don't know. I- I'm impressed to say this to you. Why don't we do that? Why don't we put away our books and tapes? And Why don't we take Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, and 25, and 26 and just meditate it? For a week. Just meditate. That's those scriptures. See, this this walk is not a hard walk. God doesn't expect you to be going from Genesis to Revelation every week. Take those scriptures and really meditate them and get the in depth understanding of what He's really teaching us about the ability we have with our human spirit, our heart, and the words of our mouth to create, to destroy. I'll tell you what, it'll change your whole lifestyle. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you think, the way you believe. It'll change what you speak out of your mouth. It'll put you in the environment of God. And here's what I've said. that They've criticized me. I wanted to get to this before I close. We're going to close. I wanted to get to this. They've criticized me. They've said all kind of actually inaccurate things about me. I've had it filtering through even in our own, in our own organization here. People saying that I taught things from this pulpit that I never taught. Of course, they never heard me. They were never here to hear. It. They just got it from the wayside somewhere. And actually took exactly what I said and turned it backwards. And said, I believe in this and this, and I didn't believe in any of it. Didn't even teach it. And because of it, I can just, I won't even get into it. But people have said things and, about me and about the ministry and about, you know, and, and I can go further and further and further. And people say to me, how come you never, did not that bother you? How come that, you don't retaliate or say anything derogatory or anything that would be destructive concerning, you know, them. or You know what I say? You know what I always say? You see my three healthy children? I want them to stay healthy. You see this body of mine? You see my wife? I want us to stay healthy. When you step out in that environment, you step out into the devil's environment. You can't afford to have a critical, unforgiving, hard-hearted, judgmental spirit and not be strong in faith. You can't afford to do that and be strong in faith. You won't be strong in faith. You can't afford that. So it's by faith you walk in love and say, I love them. You know what I say about them? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for talking about me like that for they know not what they do. You know what I speak about them? Father, I thank you that you can bless them to the utmost of your ability in their lives as they cooperate with you. And my prayer for them is that you open up the eyes of their understanding and they might be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding to walk worthy of you and all pleasing their Father God that they might please you in all that they do. And I support them in, in faith and in love and I speak well of them and I want them to prosper in the ministry and I want, to, I want to see them blessed abundantly even supersede anything that I could ever attain. What does that do? It keeps those fevers off those brows. That's what it does. It keeps those bodies Healed and whole. Hallelujah. Learning about faith and love and righteousness. Well, we didn't get into it all, but we may pick it up here tonight. Faith, righteousness, and love are the three forces that you should constantly meditate. Faith, righteousness, and love. Constantly meditate. Constantly. Constantly meditating these scriptures. Lord willing, this evening... We're going to talk about how to build a spirit of a conqueror inside you through the wonderful name of Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am.